This episode, we are delighted to speak with Jomaira Herrera. We are, and today we are delighted to record this next episode of an elementary history with one of my friends. Hi, I'm Ankita. Hi, I'm Michelle. And hi, I'm Ashley. And we are the co-founders of Acorn and the hosts of Edipod, a podcast series elevating voices of educators and other key players working on advancing the education system in the United States. This season, we are discussing the impact of COVID-19 on students, teachers, and schools. We are so excited to share our finale episode of Edipod's first season. During this finale, we have compiled every teacher's response to the question, what is your vision for the future of education? This is a question that we ask every teacher at the end of the episode. I hope you find their responses inspiring in a way that urges you to support teachers and advance our education system. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the ACORN team this week. This episode, we are delighted to speak with Jomaira Herrera, Senior Associate at Cowboy Ventures, a seed stage venture fund based in the Bay Area. This is a question that we ask everybody who comes on the show. Um, what is your vision for the future of education? What I hope for the future of education is one, and most importantly, I hope we're able to build an ecosystem in which anyone can do well and anyone can succeed and anyone can thrive. And it is not based off of the zip code that you were born in, the income level of your parents, whether your parents graduated from college, like that doesn't tie into your success. We've created an, a, an ecosystem of support within our education system that that enables all kids to thrive. And there is going to be so much that goes into that. We have to create curriculum that is relevant and that is engaging. We have to better support our teachers. We can't keep expecting teachers to change lives on a 30K salary, that's ridiculous. Um, we have to better pay teachers, provide better benefits. We have to stop expecting schools to be therapists, childcare, education. We can't expect schools to do everything. That's also ridiculous. When I think about the future of education, it's not just about education, right? It is about if a kid comes to school and they haven't eaten and they haven't gone to the doctor and they have like behavioral issues because they haven't seen a therapist, like what is the teacher going to do at that point? That This is not about just education. It's about this ecosystem that kids are living in. And education is one component of it, a very important component of it. But if you solve the education piece, you provide a child the best education possible, but everything else is not solved, you're not really going to move the needle. And so the future of education is one that understands, accepts, and recognizes that is one piece of a much broader ecosystem and that we have to work together in terms of bringing all those pieces together to make sure that every child has a real chance to succeed. Atash is a middle school computer science teacher based in Oakland, California. His passions lie in the intersection of technology and education reform. Thanks, Atash, for sharing what your school has been going through, what your community has been going through since the beginning of the pandemic to now. Can you reflect on all of that and then also share what is your vision for the future of education? I think in terms of the future of education, we all want things to be more personal 
personalized to students, more student-centered. We want students to have opportunities to collaborate, to become independent learners, to learn skills that can't be automated, to have careers that, that provide them economic mobility, but in a way that's, that's engaging, that's creative, that's relevant to them. There's all these different pieces that educators kind of create a vision for and work towards. And often it's kind of in incremental ways, especially when you're in the classroom and when, when you're in a traditional school, for example. This whole time, I've seen a lot of teachers really push each other and push the school to think about what new opportunities are being created right now and how can we use distance learning to do things that we couldn't before, whether it's like really interactive, real-time collaboration, um, I think a lot about project-based learning and there are interesting ways to connect now um, to other classrooms and invite guest speakers and mentors that are not geographically in the vicinity of the school. And then I think the other piece is once we are out of this temporary situation, what can we do to make sure school doesn't look like the way it was before? There's a lot of conversations around like, we need to get school back open and all this learning is being lost. While that's obviously true, I think there were a lot of issues and there continue to be a lot of issues with the way school is set up. And even including in the community that I work in, there are a lot of inequities. Um, the quality of learning isn't high across the board. There's a lot to be said for now getting every family access to technology and internet at home so they can actually do interesting assignments while they're not in school. Having people actually learn all these tech platforms so they can utilize them in their teaching and in their learning. Um, getting creative about using asynchronous learning time. I think a lot of those conversations are happening. And what, you know, what I'm really interested in doing for my role is to think about how to make sure that those conversation, conversations aren't just conversations and they actually lead to those permanent changes. And I don't know um, exactly how to do that yet, but I think that's something that's exciting to try and focus on. This episode, we are delighted to speak with Nagla Badir, founder and executive director of Teaching While Muslim, Nagla is a high school social studies teacher in a public high school in New Jersey. What is your vision for the future of education? Education has a long way to go before it is actually anti-racist. The actual um, creation of education is rooted in white supremacy. Education in this country, it was created specifically to discriminate against people, specifically to create a class system really and truly embedded in white supremacy. And so all of it has been embedded in white supremacy for centuries. And so we have a long way to go before we are truly anti-racist in how we educate students. Um, and so that is obviously the goal. We also got to be realistic about that. You know, when you have, when you have a, a, a secretary of education and a president that wants to force students to still go to school, even with COVID, then we, we got a lot of work to do. And that is directly related to who's in power. And that's directly related to who's allowed to be in power and who is allowed to make these decisions. And, you know, the hope is, is that we actually become fully anti-racist in how we educate students and, and the system itself, right? Like the education system itself is massively flawed um, because it's rooted in white supremacy, but also because 
And as a result of that, it also creates inequality. Like education is not the great equalizer. And so the hope is that maybe one day it will be, or maybe one day that it will contribute to it being. But we have, we have to work on all, all the systems that are in place that oppress people simultaneously, right? Like we can't fix the education system and not fix poverty. Um, we can't fix the education system and not fix, you know, access to resources across everything, food, shelter, water, everything. Today, we are speaking with Casey, who is a high school teacher in the Bay Area. How do you think that the education system is going to change in response to the pandemic, thinking more long-term? Um, and what are some of the key takeaways that you hope people really take take from this experience? There's a lot of potential in terms of how we deliver curriculum and how we can harness technology to be used to its greatest level of effectiveness. One of the fascinating things about this process was there was a handful of students who, when we were in school in person, they just simply did not engage in their own education. They did not complete assignments. They really struggled to be successful. And there definitely were those cases where it was like, well, mentally, they struggled to be present when we were in person. In remote learning, it's the same. But there was a handful of cases where students were very successful with remote education and engaging via the internet versus in person, they were more successful via the internet. Everything was written for them. Everything, the tools were in their hands in a way that maybe we don't always present the tools when we're in person. Like they're, you know, students have to access things on their own and we're there. And so students want us to do it for them. When in the remote model, they were responsible for everything. And um, there was a handful of cases where kids just picked it up on their own and ran with it, um, which was a delightful surprise. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, even students who are chronically absent, like when everything is accessible, the, the lecture, the teaching that comes from the staff um, that's difficult when a student is absent, um, when that stuff is all accessible digitally, that gives a whole nother option for students who struggle to get to school. Or, you know, you always have those students who like they want to be at school but then sometimes they have to stay home and babysit younger siblings. Like there's these crazy situations where it's like that kid would really benefit from everything being accessible digitally. And so I hope that our system can shift to incorporate that for, um, for the students who could really benefit from that. So that's a big shift that I would like to see in education coming out of this. Today, we're speaking with Batsheva Frankel, an educator, education consultant, and the founder of New Lens Ed. What is your vision for the future of education? I think one of the things that I would love to see, I just had the incredible privilege of speaking on my podcast with Ron Berger. And he's been a, an educational hero of mine. And we really talked about uh, what he was saying was education is a team sport, right? We're so used to it being this individualized thing. But if we had in a vision, I can see that if we 
rethought and just shifted our paradigms completely about what we think education really is and what it has to look like both physically, but also just like in its, stru- in its very nature and its very structure. I would, the changes that I want to see are so huge. <laughs> so, um, you know, like one of the things that Ron talks about is this idea of crew, but I love that idea of having your crew at school, having your team that you go through all your years with that, um, that have your back. We're not, it's not all about get me through this, get me, you know, I just need to, you know, stomp on this person, like whatever I need to do to get the best grade. If that means cheating, that's what it means. And that idea is so sad to me. It's such a, a, a robbing of an opportunity for us to collaborate, like really learn how to collaborate, because that's actually what we have to do in real life, right? I mean, there's very few things that we do just on our own, but we also need to like reach out to people and learn how to all work together to create something meaningful. And I think that that would be a lovely vision of education if, if it was more of a, a team sport. It was more of something that we all really helped each other do. And then I also, you know, then there's things like integrating curriculum. I'm very much uh, wanting to get rid of this idea that is so prevalent about subject, subject, subject. We do that in our subjects in school, and it just makes no sense to me. Everything is integrated. And that's actually when it has meaning is when it's completely integrated. So I would love to see a totally different model. And there are schools out there that do this and they do it well, which is lovely. And project-based learning does this a lot. So I I think that's such a great model. Um, But really integrating the curriculum to show students why everything actually is relevant. We have a few more teachers' voices for you to hear from. But before that, we want to encourage you to take part in our Giving Tuesday campaign. This year, Giving Tuesday is on December 1st, when you can support us by donating on our website, acornlabs.org. All donations will be used to further grow EduPod and support the teachers that we feature on this series. You can also support us by sharing EduPod with your friends and family, nominating a teacher to be a guest on this podcast series, and of course, following us on social media. You can find us on Instagram by searching acorn.labs. Now let's return to the episode. We are interviewing Beth, and Beth is a sixth grade language arts teacher. What is your vision for the future of education? Education and the role it plays in our society and how we've chosen to assign its worth is really at a crossroads right now with the pandemic happening. What I can tell you based on the feedback from my kids, kids that, and you'll talk to any high schooler and they'll be like, I hate school. I don't want to go. And then all of a sudden they're in my face going, I miss you. And I can't wait to come back to school. And you're like, really kid? Um, that value of that social connection in schools. Yes, the curriculum's important. Of course it is. We want kids that are able to think and leave and get jobs and join the military and go to college and all those things are super important. But that value of that social connection that school has provided that got ripped away from everyone has been overlooked. And I think that hopefully we're able to reevaluate our purposes and make sure that we're meeting all students' needs better 
And if anything, we are a creative bunch. We've been able to do amazing things during this pandemic. And I think if we are honored in the ability of what we've shown we can do, we can do so much more to further education. Today, we're speaking with Taraya Zaidan, an English teacher from New Jersey. She has devoted her career to, quote, decolonizing the classroom. What is your vision for the future of education, kind of thinking more long-term? And what is the final message that you'd want to leave our audience with? I almost want to use the word abolish, but it makes people a little nervous. I would revamp the entire education system. There would be more representation in teachers. There would also be, in order to obtain a teaching license, classes that teacher education students have to take on anti-racism, on multiculturalism, and you know, just really having more of a training on our students' realities and their lives. Because we can go through the entire education program, uh, as I have and some of, some of you may have, and there, is, there are no classes or even discussions on this or on racial inequities in schools. So we're not even addressing that this is a real thing. So I think that in order to advance the education in this country, we would have to first be sure that teachers are getting the proper training that they need. Of course, a training cannot rid someone of their racism, but my hope is that maybe it will deter some people from that particular major. Also, I would say policing in schools, not having police in schools at all, and instead having restorative justice programs within schools, um, having more counselors and social workers, having healthy meals for our students, and really just providing students across the country, regardless of their race or socioeconomic status, um, with a proper education. My vision would include that all marginalized people are represented in education. I think that one is, is huge. And I think that that's one of the major reasons that our um, schools are racist in this country. And sometimes I think that that statement in itself makes some people a little uncomfortable, but I think that it's something that we have to face as being true and address that by representing our students, then if, if we're going to say that we value all of our students and that we care about all of their learning and self-image and, and growth. Today, we are delighted to be speaking with Caitlin Smith, an elementary teacher from North Carolina. Caitlin is a teacher self-care advocate who encourages teachers to use self-care techniques to reduce burnout. What is something that you, you hope that we all learn and take away from this experience? I really hope that we learn how to see each other as, as human and not bodies and not just robots and not just you do your job because I'm telling you to do so. I hope that we see that some huge elements of education are not necessarily needed in order for learning to happen. Um, and I hope that people understand that learning can happen in a variety of ways. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a brick and mortar building every single day. Um, you know, it can occur outside, it can occur virtually, it just, 
you know, I think we just really need to reimagine what learning could be and what that looks like. Um, and I think also there's just an overall respect for the profession. Um, you know, people have their opinions and lots of folks feel like kids need to be back in school and I completely understand that. But, you know, it gets to the point where do we value our normal and what we're used to over lives? And, and that's just what it's gonna boil down to. And I would hate for the latter to be the case and for us to have to figure that out and know that, you know, folks played a role in sending people back into positions where it affected their overall health. Um, and I, I just hope we restore humanity and we see that learning can happen anywhere. Um, and that we respect teachers and all educators, anyone who has a role in what happens at schools, they deserve all the respect because I could not imagine having to make decisions for an entire school district. Today, we are delighted to be speaking with Kaylin Stover. Kaylin is a high school teacher from Colorado who teaches FACTS, also known as Adulting 101. How do you think the education system will change in response to the pandemic? What do you kind of hope that people get out of, out of this uh, whole experience? One thing that really came to light um, as we went into this was just how ineffective our schools are at dealing with systemic inequities. Those just came glaringly forward. And in some ways it was a sad thing, but also it was a wake up call, right? At the same time as we're seeing the Black Lives Matter movement take on the systemic racism, basically a moment for teachers to do a lot of reflection about what we are and aren't doing in our classroom and what systems that we're not really challenging that are kind of band-aided by the fact that we're there in person um, to kind of drag our students through. I've been talking with my colleagues a lot about how we can rethink the systems in our classroom and how going forward, this is something positive because it has highlighted what we need to change um, in education and we're hoping that other people are also thinking that. We were able to look at kind of stressors and barriers that students of color and low income students face that we don't always acknowledge because they put on a happy face or are able to like deal with that kind of on their own in some ways, which isn't fair to students that they are already jumping through those barriers. And then there's more at school. One thing I've been doing and some of my uh, coworkers are doing is really looking at our curriculum for next year and how we can integrate um, more stories that uplift Black scientists, um, women scientists, LGBTQ scientists, but we're trying to figure out how can we integrate into the curriculum if we refuse to like address that in the curriculum, particularly when biology has a lot of misconceptions about race, but also like kind of pretends to be this unbiased science thing, um, we're just, we're um, doing a disservice to students. Today, we're speaking with Ms. Castro Mitchell, who is a middle school computer science teacher and digital learning facilitator at the San Francisco Unified School District. What is your vision for the future of education? One of the things I really hope that come 
from all of this experience and the impact of COVID and the impact that that current events uh, and 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 what is happening within our African American community and our BIPOC community and our uh, other persons of color. I hope that uh, some of the things that we can come away with are more empathy for our our community and uh, the willingness to to learn from these experiences um, and not repeat in a way that is damaging and continues to be a violent and and what I mean by violence is just the microaggressions, as well as the, the, the actual violence that we are witnessing um, and that our students are witnesses, uh, witnessing and our, our young 10-year-old students who are watching the news with their parents and are seeing these atrocities happen um, in, in our country. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that after some of this that we can grow and that we uh, that our society can continue to grow and really think uh, think about the wellness and the interest of of how this impacts our society and the the damage that has been caused by it and hopefully we can ease into some kind of a restorative practice in our entire nation in terms of the damage that that has been caused by all of these violent situations, the neglect of various various people of color um, through through um, entrance into uh, tech fields, and and an impact that it has on um, on education and access to to technology and education. So I hope that COVID continues to inform our society as it has been since. Since we really, since we were supposed to go into a, a shutdown, and continues to um, open our open our eyes to to the changes that really need to happen, both within our public education, our private education, as well as uh, the government, our, our government, and how we are treating one another. Thank you for listening to our finale episode. First of all, we really want to thank all of the educators that took the time to speak with us during the persistent challenges of COVID. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences on this podcast series. Our team has learned so much from you, and we are sure that our listeners did too. Additionally, on behalf of all of our listeners, our sincere gratitude goes to all the educators out there who continue to support students, their families, and their communities. We also would like to thank the amazing ACORN team, especially our two incredible and very talented producers, Darren Laval and Sarah Sylvia. Although we have officially wrapped up season one, we are diligently working to bring you season two. We would love to hear from you about what topics you are interested in hearing about, as well as the teachers you want to hear from. The best way to get in touch with us is by visiting our website, where you can share your topic and nominate teachers. You can visit us at acornlabs.org. Thank you once again to all of our listeners. We look forward to seeing you very soon at our season two premiere. Stay tuned.